0: Welcome to the Four Pillars of Health podcast, where we talk about everything fitness, mindset, nutrition, and sleep. My name's Daniel.
1: My name's Mel. And And today I'll take the introduction, Daniel. Um, So today we have athlete Jordan Lee. So Jordan, how are things?
2: Good. How's it going, lad?
1: Not too bad. Um, So Jordan, do you want to just give a brief introduction there of who you are and what you do? Definitely. Um, I
2: suppose I'll formally introduce myself. Um, my name is Jordan Lee, 20 years old from Killarney, County Kerry. And I'm an athlete on the Irish Paralympic team competing and specializing in the sport of high jump.
1: Okay, hey, and my first question to you is do you know, like how did it how did you find sport? You know, say when you were when you were younger, you were obviously involved in different sports, and how did you find the high jump and how did you get into it originally?
2: Yeah, so I've always been around a sporting environment from a very young age. Uh, the sport, the first sport I actually got involved in was basketball. Believe it or not, when I was a uh, five years old, um, my father Jarlath was um, a basketball player for St Paul's basketball team in Killarney in the National League Division back, Jesus, back about fifteen years ago, and that's. Uh, that's when I first started to get involved in any form of sport. So it was only bound for me at some stage to actually want to pick up a basketball and learn how to play. Um, So I got involved, uh, started playing with St. Paul's basketball club, um, which then eventually led on to when I was old enough, um, heading into secondary school, playing basketball for the same, which also actually led to me getting selected for the Irish basketball team when I was Fourteen years of years of age, um, I'm actually the first one-handed basketball player to ever represent their country nationally in the world, so that is um, that is what I did before, I even got started in the sport of high jump. So that's my own sort of a sporting background, but I wasn't just uh, restricted or I just didn't want to play basketball. I wanted to get involved in various different sports. I was playing soccer from a young age. I was swimming, um. I actually won a able-bodied tennis competition up in Dublin when I was twelve years of age as well. So, a sport has definitely played a massive role in my life. Anyway,
1: so you're you're definitely just an all around beast. So is basically what you're telling us. I won't
2: exactly call myself a
1: beast, but somebody that gives <laughs> it a hundred, somebody that gives
2: it a hundred percent effort. Anyway. <laughs> so Daniel, um, so
0: like, how like. With the basketball, with the sport and stuff, um, like just kind of like growing up in, in kind of like Irish school and stuff, like can be it can be hard like and stuff, um like for anybody and stuff. So like can you kind of just go into more about like the disability and stuff and maybe like how that occurred?
2: Definitely. Um to give you guys a bit of an insight and the listeners a bit of an insight. Um I remember having my first basketball training session like it was just yesterday. Um, I remember walking into the basketball court of the old creaky Sim Sim Brendan's College basketball floor, and I opened the door to go into the gym, and it was basically like a scene from a movie where everybody just stopped what they were doing, and the basketballs seemed to suddenly stop bouncing, and you could see all the young kids whispering to their friends pointing at me as if that I couldn't clearly see them saying, how is this guy supposed to play basketball? He's only got one hand. He's never going to be good. And all those whispers just kept on happening and happening. And as you can imagine, as a five-year-old at that time, that could be very hard to take. But I knew from a young age that I was different. But my family, like, as I said, going back to my father, and my mother, Mary, and my entire family in general, were always extremely supportive and they've always encouraged me to get involved in whatever it is I wanted to get involved in. So I'm always very grateful for my family and parents in particular. But I knew from a young age that I was going to have to prove all these people wrong. So from the age of about five and six, I would get up every morning at seven o'clock to go play basketball with my dad and to go swimming before school. Um, I was just that driven and determined to go after and achieve my goals. Um. So yeah, like I mean, I knew I was different, and I knew that some people were going to look at me in a different way. But being different isn't necessarily a bad thing. Exactly, it makes you stand out and what you can bring to the table. Um, growing up, um, trying to make friends, I suppose, was was um, it wasn't wasn't too difficult. In certain circumstances, in school, I was able to make friends very easily. Um, in Killarney where I grew up um, I grew up in two of the roughest estates in Killarney where I suffered a bit of bullying from time to time but with the help of some family members and some great friends we were able to get through that and rise above it so that's why I'm always very grateful to my family and friends in particular um, so that's how, I got in, that's how I got involved really in basketball and that's how I uh, started to command some respect from from my peers um, but how I got involved in high jump is an entirely different story. Um, so how I got involved in high jump was um, was actually in fifth year of my leaving cert. Um, I decided to do leaving cert applied, which is a different course than the typical leaving cert that the normal student would do. Part of that requirement course is that you have to find yourself a work experience. <clears throat> So I decided to do my work experience in the Kara Center in Tralee. So they're a disability organization that help people with disabilities through physical activity and sport. Um, I approached the Kara Center and they were more than willing to have me be in, in the office every Friday for work experience. And they already knew who I was through my basketball background. And they actually wanted to make a video of myself publicizing that and promoting my life story at the National Seminar of Inclusion that was going to be on that year in December of 2017, I think it was. And as a young 16 year old boy, I was only delighted to be getting that exposure and to be publicized in that way. Um, I remember going up to the event and the night before um, I was speaking to the main guest speaker at the event. And that was Jason Smith, who is the fastest Paralympian of all time. Second fastest man in Irish history. And I was speaking to Jason, and he also knew who I was through my basketball background. And he suggested that I go up to the Paralympic Expo, which was basically basically um, a fun day where you can try out various different sports and see where your talents may lie. So he suggested I go up to that the following month that was going to be on in January of 2017. Um, in my own words, I said, sure, look, I'll go for the crack and I'll see how it plans out. And um, I remember going up the following month um, to realize that four different sports actually wanted me to take on their own individual discipline at a serious level. So I didn't have to make a decision. First of all, whether I wanted to actually try out any of the sports and whether I actually liked them. And second of all, which one was I willing to take on at a serious discipline level? Um, So it was after a month Of great thought and consideration to decide to go with the high jump as I thought it'd be the sport I'd be best at and also the sport I'd enjoy and because my experience with basketball I always had a relatively decent enough high jump you could
1: say. Um, Jordan I think one thing that stands out about you is your mindset and mindset is something that we talk about on the show as well. just from looking at your, you know, your Instagram from seeing, you know, you did an interview. There's a link on your, on your Instagram as well. You did an interview. It's, it's very clear that your mindset is what, why you're in the place you are today that like, can you talk about, you know, how your mindset was kind of developed when you were younger and how you got through those things? You know, you said, you mentioned a bit of bullying as well, obviously like we've all been there. We've all been bullied for something. And growing up in a school, mm. I don't know about other countries, but in Ireland, you're going to get some abuse. Like, um, Can you just talk to us about your mindset and how you how you really kind of just came to where you are today, we'll say.
2: Definitely. Um, as you said there, Mel, bullying is just a, just a part of life. Everybody suffers it from time to time growing up. Um, what I find funny is how that the people that bullied me back then are now looking up to me asking me how things are going now and to be honest with you I knew that was going to be the case provided I put the hard work in kept my head down and gave it 100% effort and ultimately that's the case now um so yeah um my mindset I suppose as I said going back that my family had always been extremely supportive always feuding me with confidence that I can go on and do whatever it is that I wanted to do um so a massive part of it is down to my family and my parents. Um, they weren't these these type of parents that would shy away from letting me do things if I would try something and if it didn't work out and if I had to adapt it to suit my, my own needs, then fair enough. And that was just the case. And that's the case with pretty much everything I've done in my life. I mean, like, I do normal everyday things. I get to play the PlayStation. Um, I've only got one hand, obviously, um, but I adapt in such a way where I can play PlayStation, and I think I, I'm pretty decent at it, hopefully, as well. Um, so You've heard me least... anyway boy, I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, no, not at all. But um, it's just being able to adapt in all those different areas that you wouldn't even think of. Like for High Jump now, for example... When I first tried out high jump, I couldn't understand and compute as to why it was apparent big discipline. Um, in my own mindset, I was thinking to myself, sure, you've got two legs. You jump off your legs. You don't use your arms at all. But it's only when you educate yourself about the sport and physically compete in the sport and the discipline yourself that you come to realize the challenges that lie within it. Um, and some of the challenges include even simple running my running technique, um, I've had to work tirelessly to to make it consistently good now. Um, when I first started running, my left arm was constantly overextending across my body to make up for the lack of arm that I had on my left side. So I was constantly overextending, overextending sorry, and swinging my body to the side, which was obviously putting off my stride length, which was putting off everything. Because whatever your hands do, your legs will follow. And that's the rule of thumb in the running mechanics. Um, so even a simple thing like running mechanics took a while for me to be able to do that properly and efficiency and efficiently, should I say, And even simple things like Olympic lifting. Um, I've had to be very creative with that myself and my coach, Tomas Griffin. Um, we've been looking at various different ideas. Um, an example would be deadlifting. Deadlifting has been um, has been introduced to my program as of late, and the way that we're managing that is by using a car seatbelt strapped to the end of the bar, and it's wrapped around my opposite shoulder, so I can actually allow myself to lift the weight. And those are just small things that you wouldn't think of, that um, the challenges that you have in hydrum for myself. Um, but look, um, as I say, um, in my discipline, it's all about raising the bear and jumping over obstacles, which I literally have to do throughout my entire life, which is exactly the same as my discipline as well.
0: But it is, like, it's it's very inspiring, actually, though, like, that, like, you, you have adapted to so much and, and overcome so much too, like, that, um, like, especially for young people and stuff, going through, like, like mental health battles too and stuff like that you you can adapt and you can overcome stuff like that too um it's just like like even myself growing up jesus as as a young person like like hearing inspiring stories like that i think really kind of has an effect on you and stuff um and yeah like just kind of finding a true sport and stuff too and just family and stuff is it's just very inspiring um mm. so.
2: Like, I think,
0: just just elaborate on that point, actually, it was a good point. Like,
2: sport kind of is a way to keep you on the straight and narrow as well and kind of keeps you out of trouble. It gives you a focus and a goal. And I think from a very young age, I think it was sport <laughs> that made me so driven and determined to go after and achieve my goals, knowing full well that people didn't think I could do it at all. And it's something that I i'm constantly trying to encourage the people of all ages is to get involved in sport because it gives you a purpose it gives you a goal keeps your mind active and ultimately makes you an overall happier person as well
0: is that like what you use kind of to to fuel yourself now and stuff like that the kind of like the the mentality that like people can't like Mm -hmm. people think that you, you can't do that and then you go out and achieve it like is that what kind of fuels your mindset at the moment
2: Definitely, um, it's only as of late, really, I suppose, the last year where I was starting to get some real recognition from my peers and even on a national, international level from some of my competitors. Um, I've always been extremely determined and driven. Um, A good example would be back in 2018. um, Back in 2018 is when I first properly started training for the high jump, January 2018 is where I met my coach, Tomás Griffin, just randomly at the track. And he already knew who I was and he offered to be my coach because he knew I was a really driven person and wanted to help me out just out of his own kindness. So whenever people ask me when I first started, that's when I first started properly, seriously giving it a go. And in that eight-month period of me first starting the high jump to the European Championships... In the space of eight months, I became from someone who just started to European medalist. And if I was to if I was to say that to a random person that didn't know who I was, they would they would say I'm a bullshitter, then I'm lying. But the reality is I wasn't. You know, I, I actually did that. Um and I'll break down some of the numbers for you on the lead up to that competition. Um at the start of that year in January of twenty eighteen. I was 83 and a half kilos body weight. I dropped down to 72 kilos body weight in the space of eight months. I increased my overall speed by 25%. I increased my overall PV by 30%. And I jumped three times the height of Tool in eight months on the lead of that competition. So it's not a thing that it just happens overnight that you you happen to be a good athlete or not, not even an athlete. It's whatever it is that you're doing you can't get good or something without there being a consistent level of work and effort going into whatever it is that you want to get good at mm-hmm. and that's how um that's how I really got involved and as i said going back to the whole point of the the question i suppose about the recognition and people knowing that people still doubt me there's always going to be doubters you know even if you look at the the top top athletes in the world there's people who don't like cristiano ronaldo there's people that don't like LeBron james but does that really bother them not really like you know um it definitely fuels them and it definitely gives them an extra bit of edge and that's something that i love as well but i've kind of gone to the point in my life where look if you don't me you don't me like i'm just going to prove you wrong anyway you know what i mean
1: i think what it's it, uh... actually needed. What, like, what did uh, Floyd, Floyd Mayweather say? Uh, elephants don't be for dance. Exactly, exactly. But yeah.
0: I think Respect it's that so, Like if if nobody's doubting you and stuff, then there is no kind of like urge to do something and stuff. Because like when I've kind of gone through like courses when people haven't like said like oh you're not smart enough to get to that course and stuff, and then you get there like it's and nobody's kind of like hating on you anymore. It's like there's there's no kind of push to do anything and stuff. So I think like. Mm it's like it's hard at one point like but you also kind of need that kind of stuff um Ah, yeah like i mean
2: everybody has everybody has doubters and everybody has haters like i mean like i'd like to think that i'm i'm well respected in my hometown of clarney and and nationally and all that sort of thing but i know for a fact there's people that don't like me and people that are more than likely probably jealous of what i've achieved and to be honest i can just see it myself but look i mean it definitely fuels you um, to prove them wrong, but ultimately they're jealous of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be taking it too personal.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> um, Jordan, just like um, do you know say in in competition? I will say, like, or yeah. even in even in training. Like when we compare it to when we compare high jump to like, say. 400 meter 800 meter 1500 training it's not like it's not like you're on the floor puking your guts out but it's more there's a lot of like cognitive kind of awareness like say when you're doing a jump just before you run up yeah like there's so much mental aspect mental energy that goes into it I'd say because one little step wrong and you're gonna hit the bar do you know what it's, it's not like It's not like you're training for Um, 1,500 or a mile. It's more like you need to be right up here, like upstairs, you know? It's a pure mental game. Um, When you
2: set out your approach and when you look at a bear that's six inches over your your own head and you're attempting to jump it without breaking your neck, landing with the correct form, uh, there's a lot going on in your head. Um, Like high jump, is probably one of the most technical sports out there. You need to know exactly how many steps away from the bear, how many steps out away from the bear you're going to be, what your stride length is like, how fast you're going to be coming into the bear in every single stride, um, how much you're going to exaggerate on your pronouncement step to allow you to actually get that extra load and explosiveness to jump over the bear, what way your body is positioning, making sure that your hips aren't staggered going over the bear. That you're bending your neck correctly, um, that you're using your arms efficiently, so you're getting a momentum off the swing of your arms, that you drive your arms up, foot placement, making sure that your foot isn't pointed too inward and that it's focusing and looking at the other side of the mat. Um geez, that's about that's about 10 or 15 things I've named there, and there's definitely more to that. Um
1: so when you're literally, so, yeah. say you're in competition and you're ready to run up, is your head kind of, obviously you kind of think of cues like maybe hips high or whatever, like you, you, you can think of too much, I'm guessing, because if you have like, oh, I need to do this, I need to do this, you're going to mess up. Mm. But like, if you're thinking of one or two things, is that how you do it? Or I think it's just a matter of, um, it's just a matter of
2: repetition. It's like anything. If you do something enough times, it's just going to be drilled in automatically in your head. Um, so there's some of the cues that I just mentioned to you there. I don't even think of anymore because it's just it's just naturally in my brain. And I know automatically what to do when I'm in a certain position. So when the time comes around for competition, you don't exactly want to think about it too much. Because if you overthink it, your entire run-up is just um, is not going to work out at all. So that's why on the lead up to the competition and making sure that your technical sessions are going well, making sure that um, everything is just automatic and it just comes to you instantly, that's important. Um, but that's not always going to be the case either to an extent. Um, there's been many times where I've gone to competition. competition. Um, a good example would be at the National Senior Championships back in 2019, actually finished fourth And that is in able body competition. And um, my approach at the time was 51 and a quarter steps out. Like even that, 51 and a quarter, it's that precise. Like it's that quarter of a step is such a huge difference in comparison to if it was half a step out. That quarter makes a massive difference in terms of your run-up. But I was 51 and a quarter steps out and I had to push my run-up back all the way to 56 steps because I was just feeling that fresh, feeling that bouncy just after coming off my taper and I was just ready to go. And it all depends on the track surface that you're competing on as well. Like the Morton stadium up in Century is a Mondo surface track. So it's renowned for being fast and it's a track that I particularly love because I'm a fast paced sort of jumper um, I would be a speed and power jumper as opposed to a really tall sort of naturally lanky sort of um, just um, explosive jumper that way. So I'd be different in that sense where I really like the Mondo. Um, so it's, it's that precise. Like On the day of competition, you might have to move your, your, your steps back five feet. Like I said, you might have to move it inward depending on the track surface. So it's all, um, it's all extremely technical
0: so like speaking of like technical stuff um like how is your your nutritional stuff and, and how is your diet kind of looking do you have to be like determined with that and stuff too
2: definitely like if i was to ask you guys a question what would you think my calorie intake is on a day
0: how many training sessions? as a high jumper as it
2: so i would be training six days a week i would have double sessions three times a
0: week Gonna be crazy high, so um, like three and a half to four thousand calories.
1: I'm gonna say four
0: thousand.
2: Three, Bang on. Bang on. <laughs> like, as a high
1: jumper, you must be a nutritionist. Like. High a
0: nutritionist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was lucky. <laughs> that we yeah. down there. Oh, Fifteen hundred.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the typical high jumper. Um, If you were to search up a picture of the typical high jumper, they're all very skinny and very lean. And by people looking at a picture of that, they would just naturally consider that, you know, they really cut back on their food and that they need to be extremely mindful of that. But if you think about it logically, as I said, if you jump over a bar that's six inches over your own head, the amount of power, energy and force that is needed to generate that sort of power is crazy. So the calorie intake that I would have is actually a lot higher than what people would assume. Um, it's controlled. Don't get me wrong. And I know exactly what I'm going to be having every day pretty much. And i meal prep during the week as well. And I'm very lucky to have the support from sports Ireland as I am a government funded professional athlete. I've got my own personal um, sports nutritionist, sports doctor, sports psychologist. so I have access to all of those different things as well. so I'm definitely well looked after in that
0: sense. So like really and an- another
2: important thing actually, Sorry if you're interrupting, but another important thing about recovery is sleep. Um, sleep is massively important, and I think it's something that is definitely extremely overlooked by the majority of athletes in the country um is ensuring and having a routine of when you're going to be going to bed and when you're going to be getting up and just the reco- the whole recovery aspect as a whole um when you finish your training sessions um making sure that you put in time for recovery work like a specific foam rolling routine stretching routine making sure that you're you're icing your body that you're that you have ice, that you have cold packs, hot packs, um, Norma Tech device, whatever it is that you may have to help with your recovery process. But I think it's something that's really important and that athletes need to include in their everyday training regime. Like I spend forty-five minutes to an hour recovering every day. Like, um, and especially when you're competing in individual sport as well, as Mel would probably be able to tell you. At the end of the day, you have no teammates. So if you're not performing on the day or if you're not doing well in training, you will be found out. There's no hiding place. So that's why you need to you need to make sure that you're on top of your game, that you're looking after your body, and that you are being diligent about recovery. It's it's crucially important.
0: I was just gonna say, like with all like the training and then the recovery and, and sleep too, like um like how, how do you balance that um and kind of social life too?
2: Yeah, like, I mean, like, when I first started, I I found it quite tough, to be fair, because, like, individual sport can be lonely at times, because it's not like if you're part of a team where you can have a chat to the lads and, you know, chat about how things have been going in training, whereas, clearly just you and your coach, and maybe two other track members that may be in your training group, that's about it, like, um, and even at that, like, it's usually just you and your coach um so I found that quite difficult at the start um but it's something you just kind of learn and adjust to as you go on and it's something that you actually sort of like as well because in individual sport there's a lot of responsibility on your shoulders if you lose it's all on you and if you win it's also all on you um so I kind of like having that responsibility and pressure um the pressure of knowing are you going to arise to the task or not you know, there there's nothing like there's nothing more of a pressure situation than being on your third and final jump at a big competition and you get a clap going knowing are you going to jump this bar or not because if you jump over it everybody's going to be clapping for you if you don't you're out of the competition and I think that um I personally really like the pressure situations and I feel like that um I feel like that I'm at my best especially considering that all my PBs that I've actually done have come on my third attempt jump
0: so um, Tokyo too is on the horizon can you kind of go into that for us
2: yeah so Tokyo the Tokyo Paralympic Games are going to be on in August of this year please God with everything going well with the current situation the, the world is in at the moment um The qualifying standard is quite a funny one. Um, You have to be a certain percentage away from the number three ranked jumper in the world. Um, You have to be over 95% um, in order to be up for the selection process to go on the plane to Tokyo. And I'm very fortunate to um, have reached and excelled that target. Um, I've also reached other requirements in terms of, winning a certain amount of medals and performing well in various different competitions. So please God, all going well that um, I'll be on that plane to Tokyo.
0: It'll be a bit of a, a weird experience, I suppose, with, with like, you know, you said that the, the crowd and stuff is is so much kind of to do with the, the the high jump and stuff. So like if there wasn't a crowd at the time, like how'd you feel you'd kind of react to that?
2: Yeah. Um I suppose really it being my first Paralympic games just to, just to be there is, is all I want. You know, I, ultimately, I, I don't, I don't care how many people are there who I'm competing against to even be there and to actually call yourself an Olympian afterwards is, um, is, uh, something I'm extremely looking forward to, to compete at a Paralympic games. Um, that's been a goal of mine ever since I've been in the sport and to potentially be able to do that and also to potentially be able to contend for a medal while I'm at it as well is um you know that's really, really important to me. Um I suppose my goal is really for the year ahead for 2021 is to obviously get selected for Tokyo, contend for a medal, but also the European championships were scheduled to go ahead this year in June. I'm not entirely sure what the situation is there, whether or not they will go ahead. Um, I'm hoping they will for obvious reasons, because I want to jump, but also I'm, I'm currently ranked number one in the world in the European rankings, so it would be fantastic to to potentially contend for a gold medal at that competition if that were to go ahead. Um, my current PB at the moment is one meter 95 To put that into context to you, to give yourself a a better picture, I suppose, of the actual height. If you park your car in a car park barrier and you see the barrier set to one meter 95, that's when I'm jumping over backwards off one leg with a nine stride approach. So it kind of gives people a better picture as to what exactly it is I'm jumping and being able to appreciate the sport of athletics a lot more. Um, so my goal this year is to break the European record, which is 197. I am two centimetres shy of that at the moment. Um, hopefully jump over two meters this year, which would be absolutely fantastic. Um I believe that with everything going well, provided I stay healthy and trust the process, I will I will do that. And um ultimately contend for a medal at Tokyo. That's my that's my goals for the year of twenty twenty-one.
0: That's that's some fine goals there for you, to be honest. Like Jesus. <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah, like just even to put it in context, like you, you could literally jump over me. <laughs> like, uh, it's, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Like, <laughs> um, He's not uh, going to do that, Daniel. Don't, don't worry. That. <laughs> it's lucky I, it's a I podcast, actually have a, video. So I I actually have a
2: video up on my Instagram of uh, me jumping over my coach, Tomás. Um, Tomás is about six foot two, six foot three. like So... It, it you, you'll see it across my social media platform um, on Instagram and it's a matter of if I don't jump over the bear I'm going to kick him in the head so <laughs> that's another that's another pressure situation I suppose that would be a great video yeah. too
0: though <laughs> yeah oh yeah oh, I, I got go it life,
2: thankfully oh yeah <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> Definitely. Like in, in fairness like th- those are some like amazing goals and stuff and um. Like, I wish you best of luck anyway with Tokyo. Um, like, I've no doubt that you'll get the two meters and stuff. Um, it's all about blocking out those haters and, and actually doing it and stuff. Um, but it's, it's something yeah, to look please. forward to and stuff and, and just well done with, with everything you've done so far. Um, I don't know, Thank Mel, do you have any Appreciate other it. questions? Yeah, so Jordan, just thanks a million for coming
1: on. Um, we have great respect for you and we just, you know, we can't wait to see what you do in the future. So, Son so for taking the call anyway.
2: Thanks very much, Dad.
1: Appreciate it.
0: So, I've been Daniel. I've been Mel. And I've been Daniel.
1: And he's been Jordan. <laughs>